Hello and welcome to The Boxing Hour with me, Martin Dolan. This show is one of a number we have at Mirror Fighting. You can watch them all on YouTube or on Facebook. You can listen to them wherever you get your podcasts. This week, I start by speaking to Conor Ben just a few days after his victory over Sebastian Parmela. He talks about the victory, what he did well, what he did not so well, and about what's next, as well as about becoming a father for the first time. Then I speak to another of Saturday's winners, Fabio Wardley. He recorded his 10th professional victory with a second round stoppage of Richard Larty. He talks about the questions surrounding that stoppage. He talks about his white collar background and about what he hopes for in 2021. Then I speak to renowned trainer Adam Booth, who looks ahead to a huge heavyweight fight between Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois this weekend. Booth trained Joyce for a couple of fights, so is perfectly placed to offer insight into his former pupil. And he makes an interesting prediction for a fight that will have huge consequences for both men. And then finally, I speak to Jazza Dickens ahead of his golden contract final next week against Ryan Walsh. A really big fight for both men. And Jazza Dickens believes this is coming at just the right time for him. If you are watching the show, please do give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening, please do rate and review. On that note, here is my first guest, Conor Ben. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate it just a few days after your fight. You didn't seem overly happy with your performance in the immediate aftermath. After a few days of you reflected on that are you, are you a bit happier or how do you feel about it I'm, I'm always my harshest critic you know you've got to take people who um big you up with a pinch of salt and then people who break you down with a, a bit of salt do you know what I mean with a pinch of salt um you got to be your harshest critic at the end of the day and there was so much more that I should have done that I didn't do I made mistakes that I shouldn't have made um in there but I did beat him more convincingly than Sean Porter so whatever I've done was effective and you saw loads of things that I've been working on but you lot ain't seen half of what I've been working on so there was just a little bit of frustration it was quite tricky um, smothered my work uh, full work was okay jab was okay slipping and countering could have done a lot more of that it, it go, the list goes on do you know what I mean I'll always forever be my harshest critic you ain't got to worry about that um, I don't need people blowing smoke up my rear and then you know I don't listen to the people tearing me down um, I listened to my team and me and my t- trainer have had a good chat and this time next year I'll be a, you know, an even better fire. Did he show you anything that you hadn't felt in the ring before? Just his level of toughness. Um, <laughs> he was tough, mate. I thought he was going to quit a, a few stages. Like He started wincing and, and walking back and you know, I was sort of goading him by staying on the ropes and he just had a little walk off and I thought, yeah, nah. It just become a bit of a you know a punch bag. It's not for me to say that he had no power, but he looked like he, he never looked like he troubled you. Do you feel like maybe you, if you'd maybe stuck stuck in there a bit more, as in taking a few more shots, you could have got him out of there yourself? Uh, yeah, of course, of course I could have. I mean, if it was twelve rounds, would I go him out of there? I don't see him going twelve for me. Um, the way he was getting beaten, he was getting beaten bad. Do you know what I mean? I thought the tout though that his team were either going to call it quits or the ref was going to stop it because uh, he was just getting a bad beating and there was no way he was winning a round of that fight. I know you've just said you don't take notice of anyone giving you praise necessarily, but it felt like from the outside a, re- a good week for you overall in terms of you were the main event. You had you know, that interview they gave you very emotional. That, that, I think that connected with a lot of people uh, on social media, certainly. And then to deliver on the night, did it feel to you, if you give yourself some praise, that it wasn't a big week for you? Oh, it was a massive week. I mean, I think everybody was talking about the fight. Everyone kept saying, oh, this is a massive step up. Is Connor ready? Oh, Connor might lose this. And I'll always rise to the occasion. I'll always rise to it. I'll, I'll, beat, you, I'll beat whoever's put in front of me. Or I'll give them one hell of a fight, that's for sure. So, yeah, you know, people kept saying this. They said that about Coivolo when I knocked him out in two rounds. You know, people always doubt me because of my level of vulnerability, um, which is fine because, you know, people love a bit of vulnerability. Um, but it was a big week. It was an emotional week. Um, not that I went in the right frame of mind. I heard some news articles saying, oh, it's kind of been in the right frame of mind. They're just doing that to sell an article. I was in, I was in a great frame of mind. I just missed my family at that stage. You know, it was just like I see my family for so long and... It was an emotional week. There was a lot of there was a lot of expectation and pressure, and people saying this and that. And um, I just I just wanted to 
you know, go home. Um, and then this whole pandemic is there's a lot going on in the world at the minute. You know, there's um, and then sitting down off in fight week in the bubble, there was a lot of time to reflect on, you know, where I am, how I got here, and all the challenges life presented to me. A baby boy on the way, a big house renovation going on. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot going on this week. There's a lot going on now. Um, so, you know, it's life. I mean, there's still a lot of stigma around sort of mental health, especially in men. And then I guess people almost take that to another level with boxers who are supposed to be, or who are obviously tough, but just because you're a fighter doesn't mean that you can't have an emotional side. Maybe what you, you, you talking about like this might help other people. Oh, I'm an emotional guy. I'm an emotional guy. It goes both ways. I can get really angry really quick. You know, like a flick of the switch. I can I get angry, you know, really angry. I can then get really upset um, and then I can get really happy. My emotions, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm in touch with my emotions. Um, you know, who cares if I cry? Who, 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 men cry. For those who say men don't, uh, are shallow. Uh, people who, who feel like, I'm a fighter. I'm the destroyer. And there's me bawling my eyes out about me missing my family and my little sister. And who cares? Who, who really does care? Like, so, so what? And then if a fighter wants to go, yeah, you know, you're you're this and you're that, well, then get in the ring with me and you soon find out, me. You don't want to be on that other end of the spectrum. Do you know what I mean? So you don't want to see that side of me. And so, you know, people saw that I was quite aggressive come fight night. And, you know, my, I had a lot of attitude when I walked in the ring. Um, I was very aggressive. I was in a right, right angry frame of mind. Um, just because of all the doubt has made me really, you know, rev me up quite a lot, right? Like, you know, I was really angry. Um, and it is what it is, do you know what I mean? I'm, people have emotions. I'm human. Do you know what I mean? For those who, you know, go around and go, yeah, yeah, all that, a bag of chips. When they, um, trust me, they feel the same fear, you know, when you get in the ring. They have the same nerves. They have the same emotions. They cry. They get upset. And if they don't, well, then they've just got, they've got cold blood. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're um, not my cup of tea. They're not my sort of people. People who are wild and emotion, emotionless and, and um, they ain't my sort of people. In terms of post-fight call-outs, you couldn't have been more definitive as to who you wanted next in Josh Kelly. And I, I know that fight's been bobbling around, it seems like, for a long time now. Is it simply that you just see someone you can beat or is there more to, to this rivalry? We're just polar opposites. We're just completely two different individuals. We're about different things. We carry ourselves differently. Uh, our styles are different. Our attitudes different. Um, we're just polar opposites as individuals, and the public demand it. That's the most fight I get asked about. Um, every other fight. Um, let, the only big domestic currently right now is me and Kelly. That's the only pay-per-view big domestic there is. Um, by the end of next year, provide me comes through Avanessian. Every other fighter still needs to, you know, build them their own profile instead of using me as clout and trying to use my name to propel themselves, you know. Um, so, but then I, I would like to fight some of the Yanks. So, as you know, filler fights, you know, two fights next year um, with some decent oppositions, and then we um, push on. You mentioned Avanessian, but it feels like Josh Kelly's maybe had a bit of a a stumble of late, and Avanesian is obviously no soft touch. Are there any concerns with you that actually Kelly doesn't get through that fight? Never mind your fight. Yeah, very. I hope he comes through, man. Um, I can't see it. Um, but then again, this is a fight. I proved myself with this fight that I'm levels above, you know, this guy. I'm now ranked number, you know, top 30 in the world. Um, you know, this... And I'm the youngest, apart from two other fighters, Virgil Ortiz and Rashid Ellis, who are unbelievable fighters. Um, you know, and I'm I'm the youngest ranked in the top 30. So, you know, I've proven myself, and I beat this guy easy. Didn't win around, beat him easy. Didn't come out of second gear. Uh, so, and he now needs to prove himself with Avanestian. You're going to become a father, I believe, early next year. Will that have an impact on when you fight again? Will you want some time just to get used to that first? Possibly. Uh, very possibly, I've had time to think about it, and I've get, sacrificed a lot. Um, as I've, you know, I mentioned, fight week, I've sacrificed so much in my career to get to where I am. But I'm not willing to sacrifice my firstborn. That's something I'm not willing to sacrifice. Um, 
you only get that feeling once, and that it's my baby boys. You know what I mean? You know, he's part. He's me. He's, he's me. I'm bringing a me into this world. So you know, I've my wife said to part with me, not being able to take care of her emotional needs without being pregnant. This whole camp, um, and you know what pregnant women are like. So um, it's all been about me, 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 and she's put up with that. Um, not many women would. Not many women would. You know, she ain't give me no grief. This camp, she ain't give me no. She's let me do what I've had to do. So the least I can do is is um you know take care of my family and so like, what, what is it work or family sometimes and you know I've got to take care of my family you know it's all about priorities and will I still be in the gym learning yeah of course I will um, I'll sit down and talk with my trainer about what the best plan is you know, whether I fight in January um, you know mid to late Jan um, and stay training over Christmas or not fight until um, end of March April have you come up with a name yet we have but my missus would kill me if I told you (laughs) I don't fancy that domestic you're not going to call him Connor Jr nah 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 nah, nah. I don't like my name (laughs) I'm not not a fan of my name I think it's like it's just not um, I don't know just no I don't like the name really Fair enough. Will you be staying uh, in the UK over Christmas? I know you talked about maybe trying to get over to your family, but will you stay here? Or? I'm going to try to, man. Um, we're talking about it now. It's just getting hard because I've got a quarantine now and quarantine coming back. So that's four weeks quarantine, um, as well as um, them letting people in. And then my missus can't come with me because of the pregnancy. And then it's like, well, I've done a bit away for four weeks. I'd have to quarantine there two weeks, quarantine coming back two weeks. That's four weeks. Then what I got there for two weeks, that's six weeks out there without seeing my missus and it's like it's just put me in right horrible situation it's quite upsetting really um yeah it's quite upsetting so it's um it's just a it's just horrible timing for you know this whole COVID pandemic and everything yeah it's certainly getting in the way of, of so many things hopefully though it's uh going to start to come to an end just one final question before you go you have a lot of Tattoos. Have you kept any space for one? Should you win a world title in the future and you want to commemorate that? Win a world title? Listen, I'm all about getting my son's name tattooed on me. We'll sort the world title. That'll come. I'll get the world title tattooed on, on my leg or something. Fair enough. Connor, thanks very much for your time. Hopefully you, Pleasure, you have a good Christmas and all goes well with the baby. We'll see you in the ring next year. Fabio, thanks for joining me. You do so after your 10th professional victory, your 9th success of stoppage. Richard Larty, he talked the talk. He certainly walked the ring walk, but he lasted just four minutes in there. It was a bit of an easier night than you'd expected? Yeah, of course. Much easier. Much easier than I expected. Um, I'm, and if I'm honest, much easier than I wanted, really. Like Because it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because... As well as good as the performance was, and I did well, and whatever else, I wanna, I understand that it's, it's good for me now, and it's a good statement. It's good for, like the knockout reel and whatever else. But for the longevity of my career, it's not ideal because I need to be, getting into those later rounds at least more regularly, um, and just further down the line, really, just in more and more fights, just testing myself a bit more, and just kind of. Like I was saying in the build, I'm stuck ticking some different boxes, answering a few different questions and stuff. So the later I kind of, the later that comes in my career, the less ideal it becomes. But overall, I'm, I'm happy. I'm sure you have, have great sparring, but I guess there is a difference between doing, you know, 10, 12 rounds or whatever you do in sparring and then doing it on fight night. You just want that experience of what it's like to be taken into the later rounds. Yeah, of course. It's the, there's a big difference of between sparring and stuff, and the pace of sparring is sometimes different. And you're mixing it up and sparring between. Sometimes your sparring partners that they're, they're just sparring partners. They're not always in the best of shape or best of condition. They can't always compete at their best level. So it's it's not all the same compared to one fight night where you get a well conditioned athlete who's been preparing for a while to to come in and do a job that it's just, it leaves you with different variables. So, like I said, that's why it's more more ideal to kind of get those questions answered earlier on. No, just know how it feels in yourself and in your body to be in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, whatever round later on. And you know how to deal with it now, you know, how to manage your breathing and everything else. But it will come when it comes, I guess.
you've had a few stoppages, as I mentioned. Did it feel when you connected, at least with that left hook, did it feel like a, a good punch? Did you feel like a punch that was going to, to end the way it did? Or did, it, did this, his reaction maybe surprise you a bit? Uh, no, it, it felt, I knew it was coming. The, the punches themselves felt nice. But even before that, there was a, I stuck a nice, stiff, strong jab in there that, that I watched him, I watched one in his face and two of his leg go a little bit. And I just saw in his face that he was a bit like, mm, that's not, I could see, it's a little, little cues and things you pick up on as you box and as you spar and stuff that you can, you see in, in people's faces when they have, they, they do well enough to hide it overall, but there's just, there's little cues on whatever else you can pick up on. So hence why I followed that stiff jab that, that hurt him a bit with another one just to set it again and then teed it off with the left and the right. Some people have accused him of, of taking a dive. Do, I assume you don't buy into that. No, not at all. No, I don't. I don't think he did. I think he he expected. Think someone of my my level of, of of kind of how many fights I've had and and obviously minimal background or whatever else. I don't think he expected me to be so sharp and so powerful. Like I'm not massive and stuff but it looks deceiving I've, I've been working on my power for a long time I've knocked out all of my other opponents like the, the power is there and it can it can damage anyone and everyone I've damaged all the opponents that I've been in there with and inspiring partners a testament to that as well that, that I hit hard so it's known it's just because I'm not built massively like uh, Anthony Joshua or whatever else it you may have some some questions around it but ultimately my record speaks for itself is that I get people out of there and that's what I do does it disappoint you that fellow professionals or retired professionals sort of have that opinion when you've, when you've put in what you thought was a good performance and you've got people basically saying that he just wanted out? Half and half, because uh, it's one is testament to me to, to nullify someone that much that they don't want to be there, if that is their opinion of it. That I, I did whatever to, to Richard, that he just decided that I, I, that I can't see myself winning that. So if anything, if that is your view of it, that's the positive I'll take from it. And ultimately... You're not gonna like. I'm not here to. I'm not here to convince everyone. I'm not here to make sure everyone's on my side with it. I'm. I'm here to do my job. And my job was to turn up, get rid of Richard Lai, and go home safe to my family. And that's what I did. You've had a couple of fights uh, recently. It looks like another one in January. So quite plenty of momentum. And right away, it was talked about the British title, which seems an obvious place to go, assuming it's vacated after this weekend. Uh, if you look at the available fighters, Nathan Gorman jumps out at me. Is that somewhere around that level you're looking at? Yeah, I think obviously with Dave retiring, Nathan Gorman is now the obvious choice for that. Um, obviously, there's there's known difficulties with obviously mixing promotional companies and whatever else, but there's nothing that can't be overcome. It's just a small hurdle that will need to be discussed and, and obviously spoken about. But I think Nathan is the obvious choice. Um, I don't really think there's any other British heavyweights really that are viable for it or kind of on the way towards it. So he, he'd be the only real option for it. But whatever comes with it, whatever comes. Like I've, I know Nathan and his team and stuff. Well, not his, his new team, but his old team he was with. I spent, when he actually fought Daniel um, for the British, I was one of his sparring partners. So I was up there for two or three weeks with him. So we spent quite a bit of time together. I know him, he's a great guy. Um, and a good boxer as well. So it'd be a great fight. Um, and I know something he's definitely game for. I've seen tweets of him, of people kind of nudging towards it and stuff, and he said he's game for it. So if it does come off, if that's the next one, then that's great. And you saw nothing, there was nothing inspiring that put you off that fight. Was there anything that made you want it more? And did you see plenty there that you can exploit in an actual fight? Um, no, I, I believe in my own skills and my own abilities against anyone in the division. There's, I, don't, I take nothing from... He, like there's the obvious comparisons of his performance versus Lati versus mine, which would obviously come. And I don't, I don't take anything from it. Like our lives are different, circumstances are different. Whatever has been going on behind the scenes are different. So he, I, I know Nathan, and he wasn't in his best shape for that fight. But I know if there was a fight with me, he would be in his best shape. He'd, he'd come and bring the best Nathan Gorman there is. So I'd like, I, I don't take anything from it. So all I need to do is just train hard, do my thing, and believe in myself. I suspect the answer to this is no, because you do share a manager. But would you ever fight Alan Babbage? <laughs> no. <laughs> Babbage, is, Babbage is like my brother. He's, he's my guy, my through and through. And we all are. We all, we're all there for each other to, 
to look after each other. All we want is to see each other do better, win, move forward, progress, get bigger, get bigger fights, bigger names, and just and do well for each other. And that comes for any of us, whether it's me, whether it's Dill, whether it's Richard, whether it's Alan, whoever's in the team. It's, all we want to do is bring each other up. So us, come, us crossing paths as much as I see so much talk about it on, on social media and whatever else of people trying to put us together, it, it, it's unlikely it would ever happen. Uh, I suspect you might be bored of being sort of referred to as a former white collar boxer, but <laughs> I've been sort of I've been around that scene for a bit, and I've seen some absolutely dreadful fighters. You know, like people who just want to have a go, which is fair enough. I'm not I'm not criticising, but it's quite difficult actually to to think of all those fights I've seen and to actually imagine uh, many, if any, fighters turning pro for a start, and especially not going having a record that you've gotten and going on to to fight for honours. Was it simply a case that that was your path rather than maybe an amateur? Rather than, or, or tell me, was, how did it come about? How did you realise that actually white collar is not for me and I can do this properly? Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't about, it was, I just, when I got into it, I loved, my, my only decision was is that I loved boxing. Whether, it didn't matter whether I was a white collar fighter or I was an amateur fighter or whatever, I loved boxing. I loved watching it. I loved analysing it. I loved going to the gym, trying stuff, watching stuff, and then, and then trying it the next day and figuring little moves out and little sequences and whatever else. I enjoyed all of it. So it, didn't, it was never a thing to me of, oh, I'm a white collar or, or an ABA or whatever. It was just, it's all boxing at the end of the day. Don't get me wrong, the, the separations in it are clear. Like, like you said yourself, some, some white collar fights are in absolute shambles. But then... I've seen some great white collar fights between some great fighters and some that would rival some good amateur fights. So it's all there. I just think it's a lot of, like I've, like I've said a lot, to be honest, that white collar does get a lot of bad press. And I try as much as I can to be the guy to say, no, you know what, like you can, as long as you're, as long as you give yourself to the sport, as long as you want to, you have an actual interest in boxing, you actually want to do well, you, you respect the sport for what it is, then you can go as far as you want to go. And I try and be testament to that. I try and show that that is it. That's why I'm not particularly fussed when people call, like, talk about my white colour background so much because I'm, I want you to talk about it. I want you to know that that's where I came from, that it's doable, that it's perfectly doable, that you can come from there and still get to the levels that I'm at and fight with some of the people that I've fought. And, and it's all just down to if you want to commit yourself to the sport of boxing, no matter where you come from, what you did or whatever, as long as you want to give yourself to the sport, you can, you can make waves. And how many fights did you have at that level? Uh, I had four white collar fights. So not even that many white collar fights. No. no. <laughs> and did anyone take you to the side and say, you know what, maybe you should think about stepping up? Yeah, it was, um, it was a random kind of sequence of events. So I, um, there was a good white collar fighter who I fought um, on my second fight, and he was, I think, maybe about ten fights in, or something, and he was undefeated. Um, and I think they were kind of, they were setting him up, but touting him to then, after a few more in white collar, turn him pro. Um, and it happens that we fought, I beat him, I knocked him out in the first round, and then the attention of that kind of came to me of actually, hang on, maybe he should be the one we're turning over instead of this other guy, and that was kind of how it went. And I got a call later the next day in the evening, whatever else, um, from my from my trainer, from my um from the guy that owns the gym to say, ah, oh, there's someone who's been in contact and they wanna they're interested in you and, and turning you pro into a professional boxer. So I um and at the first it was funny because I was like it was like a late Sunday night, I had work tomorrow. I was like, Can you like stop pulling my leg, like, give it a rest, like, I don't, I don't need this, like, I stop having it, and they were like, no, 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 like, I'm, I'm genuinely serious, they, they want to speak to you, want to call you, um, and it just went from there, really, and, and that was kind of the, the real beginning and the start of the journey as a whole. Was it quite difficult to then set targets, because I guess, you know, if you've had four fights at that level, and then you're coming into this new world, have you had to keep reassessing where you are and where you think you can get to next? Um, I always try to not like look too far with it. I just try to be thankful and appreciate for where I am and what I'm doing and, and the people I'm around and rubbing shoulders with and stuff like that. I always try to just 
the only thing I knew for a certain is that I am severely inexperienced compared to everyone else. So all I wanted to focus on and work on was getting better. So in every aspect of my boxing, of how much I understood boxing, how much I followed it, how much I knew about it, the details of it, like what was going on in the divisions and who was signed to who and all these little details and things, even down to like, like the big change was going from two minute rounds to three minute rounds from white collar to pro. And even figuring that out and going, hang on, like I need to, like I remember doing my first like sparring session with Sam Sexton um, at the time, who was, who was obviously a well-established pro. And he just battered me from, from left to right. And I only did four, I only did four rounds and they were, because they were three minutes, like it just, it absolutely rocked me. So that, it was then, okay, cool. So now we need to learn to do four rounds, three minutes comfortably. I need to be at a good level with that. And then cool, we've got there. So now we need to be able to do that, but at a good pace. Okay, cool. Now we've got there. Okay, so now we need to be able to do six rounds, at whatever pace, but just get through it and be good. And then it was just about incremental steps as opposed to all oh, in five years, I want to be champion of this or whatever else. It was about focus on the, the really small details right now, all the little bits that will build you. And then once we feel like we're established enough, comfortable enough, then we can move. And you never had any doubts at any point where you, know, where you had those spying sessions that just left you thinking, what am I doing? Um, not doubts, no. Because I always, like, it was, don't get me wrong, there were hard days and there were days where I'd like, I had spying sessions booked and I got up and I was like, I don't really want to get punched in for 15 minutes. Like, it's not ideal. It's not what you want to do on your Sunday morning. But I, I knew it would all... As long as I stuck at it, it would all be worth it. As much as I did, like, there were certain days where I didn't want to go, I didn't want to do it. I always did, because I knew I'd always much prefer to go, get bad or whatever, but then at least still be happy with myself that I went. And even if I moved a millimetre forward towards my goal or, or getting better or whatever, at least I moved forward. At least I was better than I was yesterday. But if I didn't go at all, I knew the me then just sitting there for the day I'd be angry at myself all day and it, it would it would weigh on me so I always just pushed through there was never a point where it was all too much but there were there were, there were bad days but they come with everything sure and you managed by Dillian White how did that link up come about uh so that came through um again it came through sparring it came through just me putting my so after like my first year or so year and a bit in boxing I really like put myself out there or not. And, and almost, I think I, I got a bit of a reputation for being quite a usable guy that I was always good for, because I was always game for sparring. Because like I said, like I understood that there was a large gap between experience and me and these people at the moment. So whenever there were sparring opportunities, whoever wanted it, whenever they wanted it, that I, like I would do it, like I would go and do whatever. So I think I got a bit of a reputation of being a good, usable, reliable guy that would always come and give it inspiring. And so the opportunity came to go spar with Dylan, um, and I did, and it just built from there really. But the thing is with Dill, like I noticed with him, where he even at the point where I was in a contract and I was signed to someone else completely anyway, he would still he still had an interest in me. He still wanted to know about how I was, how my training was going, how my fights were going, how I was feeling about so and so and whatever else. He had a genuine like, just wanted to not make sure I was all right, but just see how things were going, make sure everything was going cool and whatever else. And I appreciated that from him because at that point, he was obviously well-renowned in boxing, big name and whatever else. But to see that he still had the time to just give me a little bit of, of his time to be like, oh, like message me out of nowhere and just say, oh, you cool, is everything all good? Like, how's things, blah, blah, blah. It was nice. And then um, our relationship just went from there, really. We, like, we became quite good friends. We got on well. Pretty much I was always used as a sparring partner for like whoever and whenever he was sparring, whenever he had opponents booked or whatever else. So I just, over the years, I just spent more and more time around him. Um, and we built up a good relationship. And then to the point where the, um, the management contract I had at the moment wasn't, they weren't like filling their part. So I managed to separate myself from them, um, became a free agent. So I called... I called Dylan one evening, but I didn't even, like, I think at this point, he only had Richard Riappel, 
that he was signed to, and that wasn't like a massive thing, or even massively known really that he's that he was managing fighters. Even I wasn't really too sure of how that all worked. But I called him on not even to say, "Oh, would you sign me?" I called him to say, "Look, you've been in boxing for a long time. We're we're, we're good friends, and you can like you've always looked out for me." So I just called him to say, "Like, do you recommend any managers? Do you know any other managers?" Like, I had a bit of a bad time with so and so. Because you, you've been in the game a while, you know the names, you know who's good, who's not, whatever else. Could you, um, could you just point me in a good direction? And we, t- we spoke for a bit and we spoke about some names and some people. And it was, it was a funny conversation because we, we spoke for a bit about it and we were getting somewhere. And then like, there, was a, there was a pause and there was a break in the conversation, some silence. And he just went, actually, hold on, wait there. And then just hung up on me. And I was like... Okay, <laughs> no worries then, cheers. And like five minutes goes by, 10 minutes goes by, and then he calls me back and goes, actually, like, forget all of that. Forget everything I just said. How about you sign with me? I'll look after you. I'll manage you. I'll get you on the right path on big shows. And we'll move you forward and I'll make sure you're well looked after. And and true to his word, I always have been. And, and it's been a great, it's been the best choice of my life so far. I guess the thing with doing is it's not as if he's, either coming to the end of his career or retired or like bored or whatever like he's still his he essentially still has ambitions so if he didn't have time or the energy or really want to manage you or Alan he just wouldn't do it so there's obviously he's obviously got he probably cares about you yeah and I think that's the thing we like if you ask anyone that signs to him or anyone will say is that he genuinely cares like if you have an actual issue or whatever else, he's always there to help you with it. And if you need something or whatever, he's he's there for you. He'll extend everything he can to you. So like, even like with training and stuff, he trains out in Portugal now. And at any point, if I want to go out there and train, there's a space for me. So that means I've got access to the facility he's got, the trainers he's got, the S&C coaches he's got. I have access to all of that stuff via him. At no point will he he's not guarded and keeping it all to himself. He, he gives everything he can to whoever needs it. And I think, I think that's what was always great about him is that he was always, even though he was in such a position, such a big point in his life where obviously boxing and whatever else was massive for him, he still, because he comes from that small hall background of selling tickets and kind of grinding through and grafting, that he understands that it, boxing is a hard, hard game early on. Like if you... If you don't get a big promotional contract, if you're not signed to one of the one of the big two in the UK, then you're you're it's a hard slog to get through. And he he appreciates that. And I think he sees the work that like me and, and Alan and stuff, all we were were just people that wanted to better ourselves and do well. And he appreciates that and then obviously it gives us every opportunity to do so. And is it is it just convenient that you fight on the on the same card or are you actually contracted to, to always be on his undercard? No. No, 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 no. It's um like I I can fight on whatever cards I want. It's just always it's always good to be on the same card because it's 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 nice for us as well to all be in camp together. It it builds that kind of team mentality, that camaraderie between us that we're all trained together, we're all spar together, we all build towards that same night together. Um, but it's not mandatory. I don't have to. I fought on cards without him. I fought on cards with him. Like I said, the weekend obviously was supposed to be his card but it wasn't, so we still fought and whatever else. So it's not, it's not a set in stone thing. It's, it's just, if anything, we, they're my favourite ones are when we're all together and we're all building towards the same goal on the same night. It's nice to check in on everyone when they're in camp or do camp side by side and all get to the same goal. Will you head back to Portugal ahead of January or will you train over here? Uh, it's something I've been playing with, possibly. Yeah, possibly. It's... It's um, it's always good to get away, especially with everything going on at the moment. It's um, it's always good, but um, well, I'm just gonna kind of play it by ear, really. Like I say, it's it's only a plane ticket away. It's easy enough to go to. There's always a space, so if I want to, I can. But I'll I'll see how I feel about it. And I assume you're back in Dillian to win his rematch. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. He was in complete control of the first fight, um, but. Boxing's boxing. Sometimes you make errors, and, and they can be very costly. And, and that was all you saw that happened. But he'll he'll wrong the right second time around, and he'll do what he needs to do. Perfect. Well, I'm going to go to the gym now. You've convinced me that I can become a professional heavyweight boxer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you very you much. For your, <laughs> thank you for your time, Fabio, and wish you all the best uh, in January and, of course, beyond. 
Adam, thank you for joining me. Of course, we are just days away from Daniel Dubois against Joe Joyce. Certainly one of the most eagerly anticipated fights. We've had to wait a long time for it. You are, of course, a man who was in Joe's corner for a couple of fights. You trained him for a while. What was it that impressed you about Joe, either before you started training him or, or while you were training him? Joe's unique. Um, and I'm still trying to put my finger on it, but he, uh, he is phenomenally strong, uh, just innately strong. You know, it's not necessarily a, a deadlift or a bench press measurement. He just has this real innate strength and sturdiness about him and heavy handedness. And he is deceptively effective with his boxing when he chooses to be. You know, everybody says that he's easy to hit, but he's just one of those characters that when he does get caught because of his posture, it stands out a little bit more than it does with other people. Um, but when he chooses to, he's, he's, he's actually very, very effective with his boxing. It might not necessarily look ele you know, elegant and Cassius Clay-like in its sort of motion and coordination, but he's effective. And and uh, he is an absolute handful for anyone in the heavyweight division. It doesn't matter who they are. So you mentioned that when he chooses to box, he's very good at boxing. So forgive me if I'm being ignorant. Why choose to, if you're saying, take punches rather than avoid punches? <laughs> I think he, he just he, he has no fear of getting hit and no concern about getting hurt. And so he'll risk someone landed a big shot on him just so he can land his 18 punch salvo that he likes to put together sometimes um you know why he why he's happy to be that way because he's kind of always been that way he's always looked a bit disjointed and uncoordinated but that's just him that's just his his makeup and he's every, every fighter have their own style and their own makeup and their own rhythm their own internal rhythm and he, his is certainly uh a unique one. I think that's often, I mean, from what you've said, that, that makes what he does make sense. Whereas I think if you ask people what is Joe's weakness, it is that he gets hit a lot. So if you're saying that's not a weakness, what would you say are the things that you wanted to work on with him uh, or that he still needs to improve on? Well, I won't elaborate on the things that we worked on because, you know, people will watch this and I've, I've picked things up about certain opponents in the past, the fighters that I've worked with. So, I won't elaborate on too much about Joe because you know, I, I want to respect the fact that we work together and we work together quite well. So um, time will show. Time will show. And this, you know, this fight next week is really his first acid test as a pro. Um, and it's the perfect opportunity for him to show what he's about. Fair enough. So I'm going to guess, given that Daniel Dubois hits very hard, you are expecting, therefore, Joe to not take his punches. How that, that presumably is one of the crucial factors then in, in this fight, because a lot of people say, well, if Joe can't take Daniel's punches, this is done early. If he can, Joe comes into it late on, or indeed it, it goes to points. Yeah, I don't see this fight going to points. And that would be a fair assumption to say that Dubois' best chance of winning the fight is to win it early. And the longer the fight goes, certainly the more the pendulum swings towards Joe. He's, I mean, it seems that you, you and him parted uh, ways on good terms. He seems to part on good terms with his three coaches, although he's now back with Ismail Salas. Why do you think he's sort of chopped and changed so much? He's only had, what, not very many fights. I don't know. Is it, that's just his story. You know, there are fighters that, that do that and, and uh, I think he gets a bit restless sometimes and he went, I think a big part of him wanted to be back in the States where it was sunny and warm. Um, and that obviously uh, couldn't fit with my work agenda because of the other fighters I have in the gym. But um, I'm, I'm not surprised that he parts on good terms, everyone, because he is such a lovely fella. He doesn't, you know, outside, when outside the ring, if you're not trying to do him wrong, he doesn't have a bad bone in his body. No, you're certainly right there. Did he... I mean, I'm assuming this was a fight that was on his, has been on his mind for a long time. I'm assuming it was a fight that you two talked about. Did he seem to relish it more than other fights, perhaps? Was he particularly confident, maybe? Joe, I, you know, a lot of people say things like this, but Joe would fight absolutely anyone in the heavyweight division. He, he, he would never question it. 
And so obviously Dubois was one of the main names to come up because they were there's sort of like a parallel in their trajectory and the timing of their careers. Uh, and they've sparred together as well. You know, we talked about it. I asked him about what what he felt Dubois was good with when they sparred. Uh, and so he knows, you know, he didn't talk Daniel down at, at any point. He said that he hits very hard, he's very strong, and he takes a good punch as well. And he can box. So he's not going into this fight lying to himself. He knows full well what Dubois brings to the table. Would it be fair to say there is more scope for Daniel to improve on what, what we've seen of him so far than there is for Joe? Um, well, I don't know, because when you look at all of Daniel's fights, it's been very much the same thing over and over again. Sort of that great balanced position with his legs, the big jab, the big right hand, the big left hook, and and just looking to get rid of people as as early as possible. And you know, if you look at if you look at the sequences of his punches and the pattern of his movements in all of his fights, because obviously when I was working with Joe, I was watching Daniel. And there's certainly a lot of repetition in what he does. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing for him because he's going to master those elements in this fight next week it's if those elements don't work for him will he be able to adapt and do something different if what has worked from every fight up until now doesn't work from against joe does it come down to the fact that he's, he's either done the same thing because that's all he can do or maybe that's just all he's had to do absolutely you, you mean like i said it, it, and, and very similar to joe as well you don't know you don't know until fighters get tested under the spotlights if they can make the adaptations needed to be a successful world champion because at some point in your career you're going to get tested what you're trying to do isn't working and you have to find different routes at different points in different points in different fights that's that's always been the question of fighters as they've gone through their careers what i'm saying is this is certainly the first time i think that potentially uh, daniel's going to be asked questions that he hasn't been asked as a pro so far does your instinct and your the sort of years of watching fights tell you what one way whether he may or may not be able to adapt? No, no, I've I've kind of taught myself to never say never and never assume, and to judge everything when it's over and done with because you know there are certain development stage of uh, the fighters that I've worked with where in some fights they've looked absolutely terrible or been dropped, but they've gone on to become successful world champions. And it's just part of the journey. So, no, I certainly wouldn't uh, be foolish enough to make any presumptions that he can or can't develop. I know you've had history with Joe, so this is probably a, I don't know if it's a silly question, maybe a difficult question, but if you had no prior experience with either man, whose corner would you rather be in on Saturday night? Well, that, I mean, as a coach, you could, I can't, what I will say is that you can only strategize based on the skill sets that a fighter's got. If you don't know the skill sets and more essentially the weaknesses, you can't necessarily formulate a strategy that you think will be most effective for them to win the fight whilst giving away as few opportunities for the other dude to have success. So without knowing the fighters, I can't say that. If you're saying, looking from the outside in, which one would you choose? I'd honestly say it's a 50-50 fight. I say, this young fella's looked impressive in every single one of his fights, but he's never been tested yet. And this fella is proven as an, an international amateur. And yes, he gets caught, but is freakishly heavy-handed. So uh, if you looked at it, if I looked at it from the outside, I'd say it's a 50-50 fight. Okay, going on from that then, if you're looking at it from the outside, how do you expect the first few rounds to go? Um, relatively cautious. Maybe with, not with a lot of action, but with a lot of tension. Um, and I do think that it's going to be a big part of it is going to be who manages to land something significant first and then how the reaction is to that. Because once one of them lands something significant, both of them are then at risk. Joe doesn't strike me as somebody who would get drawn into a firefight, you know, without choosing to. You know, maybe Daniel being a younger man, 
suddenly might be involved in something he's not seen before, which we've kind of touched on. But Joe strikes me as someone who can maintain his composure for as long as he needs to. Uh, Joe, Joe won't. Joe doesn't react emotionally. Joe, Joe has no emotions when he's in there. I have seen uh, Dubois react emotionally on a couple of occasions and very effectively as well. And that doesn't mean that's not a, that's not a bad thing, you know. If you, there's a lot of great fighters, great great fighters over the years that fought with intense emotion. But Joe doesn't fight emotionally. He just fights um, with his own rhythm and his own heavy-handedness. And I think that when it, when somebody puts danger in front of Joe or tries to hurt Joe, he punches harder. That's what I've noticed every time I've seen him box and every time I've seen him spar. But if you take it easy with him, he'll sort of sleep along with you. But as soon as you try and hurt him, he then ups his game and it, and what I noticed in the gym during sparring is that I've watched some sparring sessions and I'll be looking and I'm thinking, what is he doing? I just, I'm just not getting this. And then all of a sudden the fella might get a bit fresh and start to put it on Joe a little bit. And then you immediately see what Joe's about. And I've seen it a few times in sparring where some good fighters have put it on him. And the, the mo as soon as they have done, you, within 20 seconds, they're in a submissive position somewhere in the ring because Joe's literally put a, sal a heavy-handed salvo on him. Were there any types of fighters who gave Joe more trouble than others? Oh, uh, you know, I'll keep that, I'll keep that to myself. Styles <laughs> make fights. I thought you might say that. Is this, there's obviously a, lar a large age gap in this. If Daniel was to lose, he has plenty of time to, to come again, as I say. For Joe at 35, which, you know, being a heavyweight, it's not as bad as it might be for, for a lighter weight, but is there a way back if he doesn't win this fight? Well, you never know. I mean, there's a manner of defeat, isn't there? You know, if it was a fight where it's an up and down affair both ways and then one man just happened to come out, managed to come out on top at the end of it, you know, it, it was a 50-50 fight coming in and a 51-49 fight going out. Fights like that can, can have rematches. And like I've said before, I've seen fighters in positions where you think, well, you know, there's no point in them carrying on. And the next thing you know, little time down the line, they've won a world title. So it's that thing again, I'm not going to try and shoot. Now, at the age of 35, he has less time to come back from a loss, but it doesn't mean he can't. And just finally, before you go, would I be fair in saying that this has not been a great year for you in terms of, from a training perspective, Josh Kelly hasn't managed to, to get out again, and Michael Conlon now injured until next year. Very frustrating for you? Well, it's funny, actually, because no, um, the development and improvement in Michael uh, this year has been phenomenal. Uh, he, his fight got pulled, didn't it, the day before the fight in March. So we'd had a complete training camp. And that was an incredible training camp where he, his development and his progress left me believing that he, we just, he was ready for a world title. Then he got the fight, he got the little workout in was it August in London at York Hall. Had a nice little workout there. Um, Josh Kelly's fight, again, fell through, I think it was a couple of weeks after Michael's. But we've had a lot of time in the gym with no pressure, with no pressure of actually fight prep, just to take time and, and develop things. So obviously we don't have, you know, the actual business end of it where the fight took place and, they win, they get paid, and they move on, and the momentum in their career develops. But that's the same for everyone out there. Um, but we've actually had a very good year in the gym in terms of just just development and the work we've had the time and luxury to do. And, and, and I'm looking forward to um, Josh's fight. Josh's going to be training over Christmas and New Year because his fight will be towards the end of January. And I'm expecting I'm expecting Michael to be ready to fight around the start of February. But because that's not far from St. Patrick's Day, I'd imagine that we'll wait until March. Perfect. Well, look forward to seeing them all out. And Adam, thank you very much for your time. And I'm, glad, I'm, I'm actually ha happily surprised you didn't ask me for a prediction. Well, you said it was a 50-50 fight. So I thought, well, you know what, you've mentioned that now. <laughs> You're not going to give me one, I guess. But please do. <laughs> um, in knowing what I know, but... Also looking at the downside as well. I think Joe's going to make it difficult for Dubois to catch him. And I can see Joe 
winning by stoppage. Oh, that, that is refreshing. You know, so many people in this game will refuse to give a prediction, but I appreciate that. And I tell you that I'm sure when this fight obviously has been, like many uh, fights, delayed for a few months, I'm sure when it came out, the odds were pretty much even. But now Daniel is uh, not as odds on as you do get in boxing, but comfortably odds on. So I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I, I don't imagine the bookmakers know much, but. If you're saying that there's definitely some value in, in Georgia. I mean, a lot of it. I, I, a lot of it depends. Look, I don't know what condition Joe's in. A lot of it does depend on how what condition he is in. Um, but I'm sticking with that one. Very interesting, Adam. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure. Jazza, yeah. thanks very much for your time. You're a week away from the Golden Contract Final against Ryan Walsh. I saw on social media that you've got yourself a new nickname. You are now the COVID Kid. Now I'm the Covid Kid, yeah, because last time when we were supposed to fight before this fight was rescheduled for the Golden Contract final, I um, I tested positive for Covid-19, so uh, now I thought I'd go with it and make the most, make the most out of it, uh, a bad situation called the Covid Kid. We've got to smile in these times, I suppose. It's, uh, it's obviously affected everyone, but I think you've said that you're actually it's benefited you to have these extra couple of months. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah, since I, uh, well, well, this this tournament started over a year ago. We had the quarter final, semi final, now we're in the final. Should have already been over and done with. But as I said, when when we entered the tournament, I live a very, very, very strict lifestyle. Lifestyle. I, I sacrificed so much, and I always knew the money was sacrificed the most coming into this tournament. Uh, throughout not just the tournament, throughout his whole life, the money can be the most disciplined. The money can give the most. To his to his um his career will be the man who, who who succeeds and and this getting set back only puts me in a better position. Whereas I am okay with with the, um, everything that goes with it. I love the I love the boxing lifestyle. I love to live life as a boxer. I love training. So everything that goes with it just just means for me that I get more time, more sparring, more time in the gym with the people who I love. So yeah, it, it benefits me massively. When the golden contract was announced, the, the prize was a two, I think, a two-year promotional deal with six-figure purses. Is that still the same given the pandemic? Yeah, well, we think we've been very lucky that it hasn't affected us in this way. Um, I think a lot of your sports have stayed the same uh, when it comes to financial situations. So, um, boxing is just just the same. It's, it's professional sports. It's live on Sky Sports. So, what, what, why should why should that change if the, if the footballers and and you know the I don't know whatever else. Just football and boxing here in Liverpool, but yeah, if if everyone else stays the same, then I think the boxing should stay the same. Also, I feel for a lot of fighters who, in this situation, have not been able to fight because our boxing works. It's a business, and you have to sell tickets to the public, the paying public, to actually stage an event, and that hasn't been the case. So I am very, very lucky, very blessed that the MTK Gold. MTK Golden Contact has gone ahead and Sky Sports and my whole team have pulled together to make this happen. And how would you sum up what the Golden Contract has, has done for you as a boxer, as a person? As a boxer, it's, it's been probably the best year of my life because I've been so active. I've been active in title fights. Um, yeah, I've just been living a really healthy lifestyle. And, and through this global pandemic, I think a lot of people have been suffering with mental health and it's hard a lot of people they don't know where they're at, but I have had structure throughout this whole year, more structure than I would have usually. So I, I can only be grateful for this for this tournament as a whole and and, and, and in my life it, it shows it shows my family. Um the father goes out and works hard and he sacrifices and he and he does what he can to achieve his dreams and, and he's got a lot of belief in himself and that's the way life should be. I think you're almost coming up for a decade as a pro. Um, but you're not you're not thirty yet. It feels like does it feel like you've been around forever? Yeah, well, boxing. <laughs> box. It's, they say it's a short career. Did you say boxing is a short career? But I started at the age of twelve. Now I'm twenty nine. Seventeen years. Um, what are the what are the jobs do people stick around for seventeen years? Do you know what I mean? So you can say it's a short career, but it's also a very long career. It's a tough. It's a tough way to make a living. I think that's what people. People talk about how could you survive so long in a sport, but in a sport where you, you could take so much physical trauma and you could, um, you, you know, every day you go to work, you risk getting hurt. How can you still be around in this sport? But I think I, I, I live a healthy lifestyle. I don't drink, I don't take drugs, never have. So it's just that 
I live a really clean lifestyle. It gives me a lot of fitness. Um, I feel like I feel physically that I am younger than you know, when you look back and you see the people who you went to school and you think, was he LA? <laughs> they look a lot older than me. I might, my, my face might be smashed in, but they look a lot older than me. You know what I mean? I think, I think boxing has been really good for me and, and it keeps me young. Some of your highest profile fights, you look at the Rigondeau fight, the Ward fight, have, have ended in defeat. Was there any a point, ever a point where you thought, you just couldn't carry on anymore if you got to that level and maybe i mean i know there were you know things happened with rigondo for example especially but did you ever think maybe not for me anymore no because because if you have a look at my two losses and after every loss the first the first loss i had was for the title and i didn't win i was currently english champion i lost for the title it was a heartbreaking for me it was the first time i'd ever lost put me in a bad place but i knew it was going to come back it has to be better than I ever have been before, and I, I went on to win a uh, British title. Then, then I lost the fight for the world title, and then I lost um, the British title again. And went on to win a European champion. Now I'm currently currently double European champion on the verge of a world title fight. So, I think every time I've had a loss, you 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 have these losses, but come with it. It it the the benefits of the ability to grow, so to see the equal equal benefit and reward. And this fight with Ryan, it's I think he's slightly favourite with the bootmakers, but for all intents and purposes, it's largely viewed as a 50-50 fight. Is that how you see it, or are you someone who says, you know, I'm the favourite and I'm going to win? No, I don't go, I don't go to bet shop myself. I don't, I don't really know how it works. I don't bet. But um, I, I can only see that. What I see from who I speak to, my people, around me to say, hey, I want to write a few quid on your last time and all that. I just think that's a good thing to use because I know I want to win this. I'm so confident, I'm super confident. I haven't done what I've done in preparation to mess this up, you know, and that's how I see it. It's mine to mess up. And I mentioned the two-year deal that's on the table. Should you win? It's not often in boxing, actually, that you have such security. You know, you can sometimes, maybe, you might know this yourself, but you go from fight to fight, maybe not knowing when the next fight would be. How much would that two-year contract do for yourself and I guess your family as well. Yeah, well, it, financially, it, it, it got, you know, you know, to speak about what it does financially, but it, it puts me in, in for, the, for promoters to be paying you such good money means there's got to be a return. Return for a promoter means they have to elevate my career. My career to be elevated means I have to win a world title. The end goal for me is to win a world title, so that's what I get out of it. I get pushed towards a world title, so the money's nice. Um, the activity is really nice. It's nice to be in the gym. Nice to be living a healthy lifestyle, and it's, um, yeah, it's just it's just it's really really nice um, with the promise, the prospects of it. And I cannot mess it up. Liverpool has been one of the most badly affected areas. Have you has training been okay? Have you managed? I guess you'll have a private gym, but you've managed okay. Yeah, well, <laughs> I live in in lockdown. <laughs> this is my my life. My my <laughs> boxing career is actually a global pandemic. <laughs> That's what boxing's like for me. You know, it's like um, not much has changed for me. Not much at all. Um, I'm lucky to have a great partner who looks after me kids. I've got three kids at home, and she looks after them. They're still going to school. Um, uh, and I'm just sacrificing in my bubble, my own little bubble anyway. So, yeah, not much has changed for me, but I, I also so do carry a lot of compassion for the people who are suffering bad from this because it's, it's a, it is a tough time for everyone. Of course, Liverpool is a, a huge boxing city. Is it on your mind that you, know, you come through this, hopefully in, in six months or so, you, you can have a fight back with fans? I'm sure it'll be easy to sell tickets at the best of times, but you know, given no one's been at a fight for a year, they'll be flying off the shelves. Definitely, yeah. And it's nice to know that um, when, when my fans do come back, it's like, I'm going to do this for them as well. And it'll be nice. You do this for your community, don't you? Do you know what I mean? You see your community get pleasure out of seeing someone more of their own going to do big things. And, and when, when, when I do come back to fighting in front of a crowd, it'll be you know, on a bigger and better stage. So, you know, we'll, we'll all be buzzing. It's great for us all. I can go and live my dreams. They can go and have a great night. And yeah, it's amazing, really. And I am grateful for the support. During this time, I don't have to do no social media due to this pandemic. It's a mad situation. Fighters would love to get paid a lot of money to be able to fight on Sky Sports, but they don't actually have to do nothing that goes with it, like the media and the press and the doing the tickets to the fans and all that. But I love all that. that that's a big part of it for me. That My gratitude comes with that. So um, 
it'll be nice to it'll be nice to I'm trying to keep that going as much as I can to get back to people on social media for the messages and support and all that and the likes of you giving your time to speak to me. It's great great way to live. So I'm trying to carry on as much as I can, but it has slowed down massively. Yeah. And do you still actually sell your own tickets? Yeah, well I think I think it's it's a duty as a fighter because on day one when you when you get your first fight you have to go and hand these tickets out because it's a um, you don't fight unless you can sell tickets, as you know the business. A lot of people don't know the business. You don't you don't fight if you don't sell tickets. It's not an amateur sport. It's a professional business. So if you don't earn the revenue for your opponent, you cannot fight your opponents, and that's how it works. And you might make a little bit more on top to get yourself paid. So these people who are buying tickets off you, the people who you know from your own community, um, what happens when you when you when you hit it big time, you hit the jackpot, and you don't have to do it anymore? And they're sitting there thinking, "Hang on a minute, we was going to watch Jazza, we was travelling to up and down the country to watch Jazza, and he when he had only two fights, one fight, three fights, you know what I mean?" So I, I make it my it's, it's a duty to me to to still get the tickets for the people who've always been there. There's about there's a bar up. There's about other people who I know personally who I, uh, get these tickets and say I've got to give these, I've got to go meet these people and I've got to give them their tickets because I'll never forget when I was walking before the fight in the snow to go and sell tickets, you know, things like that, little things like that. And I always appreciate these people who support me from day one, so I try and, I try and keep it just the same as it's always been. But it is getting harder and harder. It's certainly, I think boxing is certainly unique in, in that way and, and the way that people do support their own if, if you want but now we're in a situation where okay people like yourself are okay for fighting and you appreciate that but for the younger guys that you mentioned who did do, who do have to sell their own tickets right now it's hard to see when they're going to be able to do that because you just can't have those fights without fans it's sad mate so 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 sad i've got friends who, who are just in the gym every day training and you just don't know when they're going to fight. They've also got families they have to provide for, and they've got, they, can, they have to go to work as well. So it's like boxing's been affected. I always, but I, I'm thinking through this all. It's like, is there going to be a full generation of boxers who missed out? Or like, we get the stars who are getting the TV opportunities, but then the, the kids who have to learn and come through, are we going to miss that generation because of this pandemic? I don't know. Because they're not getting the learning experience, and I don't think they can go around and spar with each other. They're not going to go and kill each other in the gym every day. So I think um, we might suffer when it comes to this generation of young fighters coming through because they didn't get the learning experience due to getting on these televised shows and um, these small old shows, prepare themselves for the TV dates. Maybe we might miss out on some of these fighters. I don't know. Are you aware of anyone who's maybe had to take a, a, another job in the meantime and maybe fallen away from the gym or anything? Yeah, yeah, there were three lads who I signed with, Meshach Spear, Meshach Spear, Jay Farrell, and um, and our other man, just turned um, pro, Josh Wright, he, they've all got to go and get jobs. Not, not got to, we, we, we've all got to, you know, we no one knows there's nothing, but we're trying to be professional boxers, you would think that something comes with it, but no, um, these people have actually now got to get a job, and they've got to go to the gym too. And they've got to run, and they've got to have an early night, and they've got to diet, you know what I mean? So it's, life's just got harder for them. And I've seen that the government, the government put out funds in India for, for sports, but professional boxing, as it is, it's an independent business. And I understand why why it didn't go to the boxers, because a lot of people abuse the sport, a lot of people do abuse the sport, but uh, for the amateur boxing, definitely, there should have been money granted to the amateur boxers, because there's people in the gym every night given time to these kids don't get nothing out of it, you know what I mean? So there should have be been money given to the, to the amateur boxing system. Definitely. I mean, I think there will be a lot of things that, that this pandemic has an effect on long term that we maybe can't even see yet. It would be really sad, as you say, if, if amateur boxing, which provides so many young kids with a, a route into something proper, you know, something worth their time, if that suddenly falls away, especially, I guess, in, in, in places like Liverpool. Yeah, well, well, boxing as it is, it's it, it, it's sort of it's a, a lot of people who go into boxing from underprivileged backgrounds. So if you're at the age of fifteen to seventeen now, what are you gonna do? And a lot of people say, well, you know, you stay home playing your Xbox. What if you don't have a home? And what if you don't have an Xbox? What if you live in a hostel and boxing's your only way to provide? You know what I mean? What if you don't have many friends? What if you have sacrificed? the last five years of your life from the age of 12 to 17 to boxing you haven't got a social life so what now what you do now you're just sitting there waiting for these people to 
to to say yeah you're allowed to go back to the gym now or just no just no go and do your own thing you know what I mean these kids are lost these kids need these people in the amateur gyms like my coach also runs an amateur boxing club Terry Matthews and, he, and he's got these kids in in the gym and young adults and and grown men you know every every single day that their whole purpose is for boxing that's the only thing that keeps them on a state in narrow so. I don't don't be surprised that there's going to be a lot more suicides and people going to jail because the the, um, the funding hasn't gone that way, which is sad to say, but it's so so true. Mm. I know you're. I'm sure you're planning to to have a few more years as a fighter uh, yet. But do you you sound like someone who might be interested in the coaching side or the mentoring side of things in in years to come? Definitely, um, community is my community is my passion. I'd like to do something. Well, I I will do something. Um, I already started working on things to try and put things into place for the community and that would be nice for me because it's freely given. We can give what's freely given to us and, and it doesn't mean it has to be a million. We need millions. We need to be a world champion to do it. We don't need these things. We can just freely give in. These opportunities come every single day. It's just looking out for them and, and putting them into place. And, and um, yeah, I'm in a good position now. I'm in a really good position thanks to boxing is that I can now give back to community and that's what I want to do. Excellent. Well, hopefully that is a few years down the line. All the best for next week and for the future. Thank you very much for your time today. That is all we have for this week. As I said, if you are watching, please do give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you're listening, please do rate and review. And please do join me next week. We'll have another range of guests talking about previous fights, future fights and a whole lot more.